You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. That's right, winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 152 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. What's happening out there? Sunday. Well, like, as always, I'm recording this on Friday. Actually, I actually have the day off today. Quite enjoyed myself. Took it easy, slept in a little bit, watched some Netflix. And here we are. How's it, you know, how's everybody doing out there? Like, I, I'm assuming you're probably listening to this probably Monday morning on the commute. In the car, sitting in traffic. Mad that you didn't win the lottery on the weekend. I hear you. I feel you. Well... Hopefully, the next uh, 45 minutes or so will take you away. I don't want to say it'll feel like you won the lottery, because that, that's not true. But <laughs> how about we just uh, we'll relax, close your eyes, 
And as I say, watch the pictures and the sights and the sounds as they fly through the air. Ah, well, folks, what are we gonna what are we gonna talk about today? Um, actually, I found in uh, as I was I was doing some searching for a, for someone for some information, and as I was doing that, I actually came across some interesting a uh, couple interesting articles. Well, I, well probably more. <coughs> pardon me, probably more funny than interesting. But um, and that, and as well as uh, Jay out in Finland. Uh, sent me through from his files uh, an interesting. You if uh, obviously if you've been around listening to this show or, or you listen to my episode when I had Joe Lazito on, um, lots of times I reference the the old hockey fight site Fried Chicken Hockey Fight Site. Does anybody know why it was called? I still don't know why it was called Fried Chicken. But anyway, in the late nineties when I when I got on the internet machines for the first time and was bouncing around, I found this hockey fight site called fried chicken and i just couldn't believe that there was other fucking fight idiots out there besides me i thought i was the only one um and uh so yes so from there anyway point is that i don't know how long that site was up for probably 20 years when did that site go down 20 it was like towards the end i i really wasn't on it that much anymore but but through the the late 90s and like the early early to mid 2000s I was on that site all the time. I wasn't a huge poster or anything. I didn't say a lot, but I just enjoyed reading it. I used the tape trading section a lot. Made a lot of great contacts. I honestly made a lot of good, um, you know, air quotes, friends. I mean, they're internet friends or whatever, but I talked. There's some guys I still talk to, like Chris out in Vancouver, Tony in Vancouver. Um, yeah, lots of Warren, Kurt, uh, lots of guys that I still talk to to this day. And it was through that message board and through our hobby of trading fight tapes. And DVDs, well, now it's uploads and whatever, but file sharing now. But um, uh, what was the point of my story? I'm, I'm rambling on here. Oh, with, uh, but um, yeah, and there was all, there was like the the daily, what was going, because back then, like the game, there was actually fighting in games and stuff, and people would, you know, after the game, everybody would argue about the fights or whatever, but there was a minor league section, a junior section, all that type of stuff. Anyway, um, Jay saved a lot of those, uh, I, I guess, that, that those threads, I guess they're called in the message board terms. And uh, he recently, uh, the other day, sent me one about Dave Brown. Uh, and it was, uh, was Dave Brown overrated? Um, so that, and I, I just kind of read the thread and it was very interesting. I'll, uh, I will read you the initial thread and the guy... He makes his points of why he says that, and uh, I'll let you guys digest that and, and see. I, I guess that could probably be a myth versus reality, but, I, uh, but I'll just do that. Um, as well as uh, another Best in the West poll. And, um, oh, and also uh, I found an article, 12 Unforgettable Hockey Fights. So we'll, uh, we'll go through that as well. And then, of course, with the myth versus reality portion, um, I've asked around. It was when I first started doing these. I know they were quite popular. Like I did the last week was Clark and McSorley's playoff fight. Um, that got some good feedback. The week before that was Troy Crowder. Oh Jesus! I, I opened a can of worms with that one. Um, and I asked around to people, "What do you think?" And I got some. Uh, I got some ideas, and a few of them I'm going to have to like, like look up into, look up into, look look into. And, uh, and I'll get back to you on those, but, um, 
another speaking of the message boards, um, and I mentioned it in the Clark and McSorley uh, episode last week. Um, two of the there's always there was some obviously some heavy debated fights, but two of the ones that I can particularly remember. One was the Clark and McSorley one, and the other one was Scott Parker versus Steve McLaren. That was that was really heavily contested, and uh, I think I will talk about that one today. That'll be my myth versus reality. Um, I had mentioned it earlier, so I will cover that one today. But the Dave Brown sort of uh, article sort of falls into that as well. So we'll we'll talk about all of that. Um, but first, we'll we'll do some sponsorship. Um, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. So whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. So of course, you know, with the season rolling now, they're all up and going. So definitely give that a listen if you're a fan of such things. Uh, for my off-network friends, of course, i got part-time Ole down there in Florida. I know he is actually recording an episode tonight because uh, he actually uh, sent me a text this morning asking for some dates. So um, he is going to be recording an, ep- an episode. I believe it's a solo rant episode. And he's going to fill you in on, on all the reasons why he can't show up on time. So, no, there's been some shit there. I'll let him. That's his story to tell. But, uh Five for Fighting Podcast. I always give him shit, but he does a great job. Check out his back catalog. Seriously. Um, tremendous. Rob Ray, Sigroy, um, uh, Yablonski, uh, Frank Bialois, on and on. No, Alec has had great guests on. Um, he is also the creator of the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. If you happen to be on Facebook, join the group. It's as close to a fight message board as you're going to get these days. And, uh, but guys, you know, and I, I'm on there and Alec is on there and Steve Searson and Joe and everybody. And, uh, we share pictures and stuff and, uh, videos and all that sort of thing. And, and people chime in and, uh, it's fun. Like I said, there's it with every social media ex- experiment and platform out there. There's, there's fucking idiots, but, uh, we try to weed those guys out pretty quickly. Not that there's nothing wrong with a good debate. We can have, you can have spirited debates without being a goof. So, you know, once they start trolling and being goofy, we, uh, we get them out of there to, uh, cause like I said, people, uh, I've, I've talked about this probably numerous times, but it's true. Um, well, sane people, normal people, uh, most of the time they go to these sites to unwind, watch some videos, maybe read, maybe leave some comments, have a, have a little spirited fight debate while they're drinking their beers, you know, at the end of the day. And then, you know, whatever they, they don't feel like being trolled by some goof and everything else and name called and stuff. So, um, you know, try to, we try to obviously keep the group civil again, nothing wrong with, I disagree. And here's why and make your points and, you know, and everybody, I mean, I love those, you know, I love when I put up a fight or I make a comment and someone challenges me on it and they, and, and, and they give a logical, you know, it's a debate and they give a logical reason why they're saying that, not just cause bra, you know, like, okay, well, you're an idiot. So, um, yeah, but, uh, no, the, it's a good, it's a fun group and, uh, Alec, Alec is, is, does a great job and he's, he's created, uh, yeah, and it's all part of the, the creation process and, uh. And he's done a great, he's done a great thing. Like I said, it's got 12,000 members and, uh, going strong. So definitely check it out. Um, and then, uh, and then there's, uh, Jolt and Joe Lazito. Kevin Lazito! Over in the Long Island. Uh, well, uh, we're back to work after, uh, of course with the COVID and everything and, uh, we're in furloughed, furlonged and all that stuff and furloughed. What did I say? Furlong? Furloughed. Um, he is back at it, back at work. He's, uh, you know, he, I know he's, I, every time I see Joe strutting down the street to the, uh, the Dolly Parton nine to five song, you know, he's got his, 
Got his little fucking Tchaikovsky fucking lunchbox and, uh, you know, his, his can of oysters. And, you know, cause you know, Joe's the guy, like I said, that pushes, puts fish in the microwave in the lunchroom. You know, he does that. Yeah. Or the break room. Or this is why they, at uh, where Joe works, they got to label their shit in the fridge. Cause Joe's that guy, I bet. My, you know, I'm not saying for sure, but I have my suspicions, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, he does the Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islander based enforcer podcast. And, uh, Joe's got, actually Joe's got a really cool guest coming up because I, that's why I, that's what I was actually doing this afternoon. I was looking up information, helping Joe find some stuff, some old drop your gloves links and everything and fight cards and all that sort of thing. So, and, uh, the guest will be really cool. So, uh, but in the meantime, Joe has a tremendous back catalog. Fakoda, Asham, Strudwig, Bolton, on and on. Definitely check that out. And, um, yeah, and like I said, he, Joe, Joe's, uh, you know, he's the, the, one of the leading, uh, fashion, uh, moguls in, uh, in the New York state area. And, uh, with his merchandise, check it out. You know, uh, hat, shirts, pens, pen, pencils, uh, coffee mugs, you name it. Joe's got his face on it, in it, hovering around it. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, you know, and and uh, yeah, and hey, and if and if you and if you're so and if you really enjoy Joe's, uh, you know, I mean, I've heard references up from Patreons and GoFundMe's and all that sort of thing. Hey, if if you want to send Joe's, doesn't need your money, but if if you want to, hey, a good gift card is always is hey, everyone appreciates a good gift card. Um, like I said, Joe and them big Buffalo Bills fans. So they're, you know, they're, they're those table jumpers. He'll deny it, but I think it's, well, he keeps saying it's more his wife than him that likes to dive through the tables. So, Hey, if, if you want to send Joe over a couple a couple of Kia gift cards, that'd be tremendous. Um, you know, Joe, you know, like I said, they, they got piles of kindling over at that place. You know, if the bills keep winning, although tough one last week, Hey Joe, where were they? Killed me last week, you know. Uh, tennis, I had shit. I had thirteen points in the Bills in our pool. Yeah, it explains. Well, I think a lot of people did, but uh, that was a tough one against Tennessee. But uh, I see that the Riders are playing the Stamps again. I should bet Joe. Joe's ducked out of the first two bets. I could have made some. Uh, could have made some money off of him. Yeah. Or well, Joe would have sent me probably a, a fucking good, a Lazito coffee mug. There you go. That's better than money. There you go. So, uh, but definitely check out Joe's show. Uh, Joe's not bounced around the social media as much anymore. Like I said, he's working. Although I heard, I, you know, I can't remember how long he said he was off work for. 14 months or something like that. Get this. And then, hey, get, this is a, this is the fucking kind of nuts Joe's got. Joe walked in and, uh, immediately put in a vacation request. So, hey, there you go. But it's for the people, he said. So there you go. Joe's always about the people. But, Coliseum Chronicles, Jolton Joel Lazito, Gary Lazito. But, uh, alright, where are we at here? Well, the first thing I want to do is I've, I've mentioned him a few times. Um, they're on Twitter. If you are on such a thing, um, if you're not, I don't blame you, believe me. But if you're on social media, Tough Guy Numbers is a Twitter account. Check it out. He, uh, it's, uh, it's analytics, but like cool shit. And he just, uh, he breaks down Tough guy numbers, and he's got a whole bunch of different things. And uh, I always like kind of just I'm I've got his uh, Twitter page open here right now, and uh, yeah, like most NHL major penalties from 1950 to 1959. See, folks, where are you going to get content like this? If 
you youngsters. Come sit under the learning tree. You're going to learn something. Well, 50 to 59, yeah. I wasn't even getting talked about yet. But uh, Major Pet- Fern Flamin with 44. Then Ted Lindsay with 33. Lou Fontenot. Or- Bert, Bert Olmstead with 25, Lou Fontenotto with 22, Gus Morrison 18, Bob Armstrong 16, L- Leapin Louis Labine 16, Eric Nostarenko 15, and Maurice the Rocket Richard with 15. So there you go, 1950 to 1959. You know, like like I said, he's cracking these things down. I like his, his last, most NHL games with at least a goal and a major penalty. See, like, who's coming up with this stuff? Could you imagine going through all this, the box scores? Holy shit. But number one, Brian Sutter with 48. Then Tiger Williams, 46. Talk at 42. Shanahan, 38. Bob Probert, 36. Secord, 35. Clark, 31. Wendell Clark, 31. Wolf Paymont, 30. And then Matthew, really? Matthew Barnaby, Jerome Aginla, and Dave Taylor with 26 games. So that was the uh, games with at least a goal and a major penalty. And then most NHL games with two or more major penalties. Uh, Chris Nyland, 39. Probert, 32. Coaster, 32. Or pardon me. Nyland, 39. Probert, 33. Coaster, 32. Domi, 28. Tory Robertson, 28. Tiger, 26. Terry O'Reilly, 25. Baruby, 25. McSorley, 23. Hunter, Churla, Secord, all with 22. And, oh, and then Dave Brown with 21. So there you go. Most games with two fighting majors. Yeah, so that was kind of uh, something I wanted to check out. Uh, like I said, I enjoy his, I enjoy his stats, and uh, I'll, I'll hit you with some of those uh, uh, each episode here going forward as uh, as he puts them up. All right, where where do we start here? Well, I think we'll look up. Uh, how about this? We'll look up the uh, what was that article I was looking at? The uh, what's it? Let's what's it called? Let's get twelve. Unforgettable hockey fights we're still talking about by Laura Grande from the from Complex Canada. So that when was this article? Well, it was 2020. Okay, so scroll down here. Yeah, this is okay. Um, oh, it was right around the, of course, the Calgary, the Tuchuk Cassian thing. Um, although fighting in the NHL has been steadily declining for years. The recent drama surrounding the Battle of Alberta has put it back on the map, at least temporarily. As Zach Cassian suspended two games for the now infamous ragdolling of Matthew Tuchuk, we're reminded of other memorable fights in modern modern hockey history that grabbed our attention. Although we didn't include vintage throwbacks like the Good Friday Massacre of 1982, the 90s and 2010s provided us with plenty high-intensity battles featuring the McSorleys, the Ray Emerys, and the Wendell Clarks. So in no discernible order, because... How could we pick just one for the top spot? We've compiled a list of some of the most unforgettable NHL hockey fights we're still talking about to this day. All right. So the first one is uh, Donald Donald Brashear versus Rob Ray. Cited in some circles as the best modern hockey fight, this bench-clearing brawl all started when Brashear and Ray dropped their gloves in front of the Flyers' net and started throwing punches. Ray ultimately came out worse for wear, sporting a nasty cut to the side of his face. But it's what came afterwards had everyone on their feet. The two teams pile up that resulted in 419 penalty minutes and 20 player ejections. Um, yeah, 
uh, well, it, I was going to say, we're off to a hot start because this was so memorable. I'm like, I don't even, can't even remember what she was talking about. But it was in 2004. This had to be I would, March 5th, 2004. I would have to guess this would probably, without looking at his card, this had to be Ray's last fight because he's in Ottawa. Um, it was weird to see Ray get cut. That didn't happen very often. Um, but, I, like, I lot because a bench-clearing brawl. Well, in order to be a bench-clearing brawl, that would have to mean everybody leaves the, leaves the benches, which they did not do. And uh, so I was like, what is she talking about? Bench clear? I'm reading the article. Cause like I said, that's the thing with fights. It's like, I've seen so much stuff and I've collected so much stuff over the years. Like I said, and I'm not a big, like, I know like when Steve there from when Probert was King and stuff like that, though he, that dude can like rattle off dates and years and, and this fight and that fight. And I, I cannot do, I have like some shit like that, but like, if you had told me, March 5th, 2004, Ottawa, Philly, what happened? I wouldn't have told you about this. I'd be like, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so, all started when Ray Allen, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, anyway, so, I mean, it wasn't a bad fight, and the brawl was kind of cool, but uh, it was a line brawl, but, I don't know. All right. Well, McSorley versus Probert in the Pittsburgh-Detroit fight in February 4th, 1994. Yeah, this is true. You can't compile a list of NHL fights without including the late Bob Probert. Um, this epic tilt between between the winger and Penn's and Force and McSorley has gone down in the history books as one of the longest fights without an official intervening. Clocks in at roughly 90 seconds and mutual exhaustion, the two men feel, is evident towards the end. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone listening to this right now knows exactly what fight we're talking about. Marathon battle. Um... Yeah, I mean, he, I, what do I need to say? I mean, two of the best to ever do it. Um, well, I mean, you could argue Probert is the best at it. And McSorley is probably not too far behind. And, uh, yeah, great fight. And, uh, yeah, I won't have what, what much more to say about that. Next, Felix Potvan versus Ron Hextall, November 10th, 1996. Yeah, um, we'll read. The, goalie fights are rare in the NHL, which makes them more memorable. Case in point, started a tussle between Wendell Clark and Daniel Lacroix, quickly devolved into two-team battling, including Hextall skating the length of the ice to take on the mild-mannered Leafs netminder, who surprisingly managed to subdue Hextall after a couple rounds. The icing on the cake is Leafs captain Doug Gilmore taking in the proceedings with his legs casually dangling over the, over the edge of the bench. Yeah, that was... Um, and see, yeah, because I remember he busted up Hextall, and yeah, Potvan does really well against them, and... Uh, that sort of, um, I don't know. Did they, I, I don't know if that really popped the popped the balloon because I mean, up until that point, it was like, oh, Hextall's the toughest guy, and he's crazy. Well, he was crazy. He was dirty, um, you know, whatever. Nothing wrong with that, but he was more dirty. I don't remember him ever being. I don't know, like, like Billy Smith fought guys, like literally, literally, like dropped the shit and squared off with them and fought them. Um, I don't remember. Somebody refresh me. I don't. I remember Hextall swinging a stick blocker and people and stuff like that, but I don't remember him fighting one-on-one with anybody. Um, I'm trying to think the goal. It was a New Jersey goalie. Was it a Chevrier or something? I believe he fought. He won that one, but um, outside of that, I think this sort of really popped the Hextall bubble. But yes, it's definitely memorable. Uh, very good. Yeah, the next one, PJ Stock versus Stephen Pete. Yeah, yeah, 30 seconds of pure chaos capped off with Stock waving to the crowd while sporting a fresh black eye. Both fans and announcers were clearly caught off guard by the ferocity of this tilt. Uh, the fer- ferocity? Viciousness? I'm going to just say viciousness. I'll replace it with that one. Um, yeah, that's a great fight. Uh, yeah, for sure. Stock and Pete. 
the next one, February 9th, 1992, of course. Uh, Bob Probert tied Omi. Um, neither of them strangers to a fight. Probert and Omi went head-to-head in an intense bout that it was exhausting to watch. It's easy to forget an otherwise obvious size difference between the pair um, with the non-stop pummeling and flying equipment. Yeah, I mean, of course, the Probert Domi series. Um, yeah, what you know? Again, uh, everybody listening. I mean, I certainly don't have to have to sell you on the on the Probert Domi rivalry. The next one, Calgary versus Anaheim, December eighth, two thousand one. Both goalies got caught in the crossfire, resulting in a bench clearing brawl. You keep saying bench clearing. Don't say that. That took officials quite some time to sort out. It all started with that minder. Sebastian Jaguar was on the receiving end of a, of a swing from heavyweight Craig Berube. The Ducks responded quickly with Kevin Sawyer crashing the net, giving Mike Vernon the same treatment. That's an all hell break loose. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, there isn't too many, I don't think there's too many cats left in this game if this is the one I'm thinking about. Um, yeah, I think I have this on tape somewhere, this game. I should put, I should put that on my, I'm sure it's on YouTube anyway, but I should put it on my YouTube channel. Um, yeah, there's Chara versus McCabe. January 31st, 04. Forget Cassian. It shook the moment remembered when 6-7 Char ragdolled McCabe so hard the ladder skates completely lifted off the ice. The stun looked on the faces on the boys in blue and white says, that's all you need to know about this. Yeah, I mean, okay, so you shook him around. I mean, I don't, you know. Uh, okay, I mean, I guess this just adds to that, you know, this was the big, because he was in Ottawa at this point, you know, adds to the myth that Char could fight, I guess. I don't know. Um, I've had, I've had, that was a myth and reality on a few on a bunch of episodes ago, well, probably thirty or forty episodes ago now. But um, I did uh, I did a whole segment on um, the whole Ovech the, this idea that Ovechkin and Chara were tough or were fighters um, it was ridiculous. And I went back and I did my homework. I got out a piece of paper and I went down and and Chara's entire fight card. Of like heavyweight fighters that he fought, and I watched every fight on YouTube of those and made notes. And outside of Kochi, Char didn't win any of them. And the moment the other guy starts on offense, he bails every time. And in fact, after it was probably about a month after my episode saying this, John Scott had George LaRock on, and LaRock and Scott both said the same thing that Chara bails on fights all the time. So, yeah, but you talk to people and they will just. The myth, yeah, that's the ultimate myth versus reality is Zidane Chara is a tough guy. Well, if he wanted to be, well, okay, if he wanted to be, but at the end of the day, he's not. So enough of, yeah, coulda, shoulda, maybe, woulda, maybe, you know, like, no. Well, April 1st, 1998, of course, Colorado and Detroit. After this bench-clearing brawl resulted in a whopping 228 penalty minutes, it's most notable for Wah. Staring down Osgood from the bench across the ice, the two sparred with more than one official struggling to separate them. Yeah, I mean, again, all those gate the Detroit, Colorado games, of course, um, yeah, all memorable. You know, the fights with Vernon, and then of course the the Osgood one, and uh, yeah, it uh, you know with McCarty and Lemieux and everything. So definitely. Ray Emery versus Marty Buron and Andrew Peters, February twenty first, two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah. Again, here we go. the 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 maniacal grin of netminder Ray Emery's face is forever seared in the back of our eyelids. 
Uh, after pulling down Biron in a matter of seconds, Emery set his sights on Sabres and Forrester Andrew Peters. It's not every day you see a goalie taking on a known fighter, but there you have it, one of the most memorable three-person battle in hockey history. Very true. Um, it was interesting. Like I said, I had mentioned Billy Smith fighting people before, but in this modern kind of era, uh, nobody had seen that. And, uh, yeah, and, and Emery went for it against the known enforcer. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, here you go. McSorley versus Clark in the playoff battle. Yep. I'll just go over that. Oh, Cloutier versus Salo. They like to have put the goalies in here. But I could see because, again, the, the spectacle of it. Yeah. Uh, Chaos reigns supreme over this multiplayer tussle, but it's a surprising inclusion. We all remember it most vividly. Netminders, Cloutier and Salo going head-to-head, but it was the Islanders goalie quickly. Turtles, Cloutier skates is over. Skates over challenges the entire bench. There was no taker. It's not surprising, given the drubbing Salo just took. Um, well, there was no takers because, and he knows there wasn't going to be because that's a 10 game suspension if you leave the bench. So you're, you're, you know, it's, uh, you don't have to be real brave to be challenging the bench in 1998 when no one's coming over. I bet you in 1978 he wouldn't have done that though. But, um, but yeah, everybody kind of remembers the Cluche, Pummel, and Sallow for sure. Um, yeah, and this one, Tenorti versus, Mark Tenorti versus Jason Smith, January 6, 1998. Not every day, it's not every day that someone has to jump into the rescue to rescue Ty Domi from a hairy situation, but that's exactly what happened. Unassuming Jason Smith became the unlikely hero for the Leafs as he went toe-to-toe with a bigger, stronger Mark Tenorti. I don't know if Tenorti's bigger than Jason Smith. It's pretty close. Caps defenseman came out the worst for wear with a bloody and broken nose, which seemingly unfazed Smith skated to the dressing room. Um, Jason Smith was a tough dude, and that's actually a really good fight. Now, it's a good fight. Great tilt. Um... I don't know if I'm, I'm chalking it up on the 12 most memorable fights. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, yeah, just kind of an interesting list. And, and I will say that's one thing. Um, I'll, I'll give the Laura here, the writer from complex.ca, whatever that site is. Um, at least like, you know, I mean, you can, some of her picks are kind of, you know, whatever. But hey, at least she didn't shit on fighting. And, uh, you know, um, you know, those are her opinion. That's, you know, that's cool. I mean, I'm, it's interesting some of the ones she picked. I mean, um, I, how she landed on the Tenorti Smith fight, I'll never know, but hey, that's cool. But I mean, you know, I mean, you could go back and like DeLorme and McCowan, uh, Cox and Probert. Um, well, Probert's been in a few, really. Um, uh, oh, I had, a, I had, funny, I had a whole bunch of my, see, that's the thing, I guess most of, I always try to, I'm like, like NHL, because right away, of course, I'm like, Marasty Basse, you know, or whatever, but for the average hockey fan, although I, I probably might even put Tasker and Sen in there, just for the fact that maybe a lot of people that watch it probably didn't know who they were, but if yeah, they'll be like, oh yeah, I saw this fight on the internet, and the announcer's going crazy, you should see these two guys, but that's probably the fight they're talking about, um, definitely. Um, well, Robinson Schultz, everyone gets a hard on over that. All the old, old, the old timers. Um, speaking of Schultz, I mean, uh, Rolf in the playoffs. I mean, when he's headbutting him and everything else against the Rangers. Um, so yeah, I mean, every, everyone has their, has their, uh, different, uh, you know, their, their different fights and they remember things for different ways. I mean, uh, like I said, I could I could probably sit here all for days and days, but I, f- I found that uh, what the hell that article kind of interesting, so I'll decide to throw it at you. But 
Um, another thing I'd like to be doing is, uh, of course, uh, the best in the West polls. And uh, got one got one pulled up here. It, it's from 1992-93. And, of course, this is uh, the, uh, the newspapers would do the toughest in the East Division and toughest in the West Division of the Western Hockey League. And uh, they would send out ballots to the players and the GMs. And they couldn't vote for people on their own team. So um, I think this is the most honest voting you're going to get. And, uh, and, of course, they'd have top goalie, best prospect, blah, blah, blah. But one of the, of course, one of the um, categories was best fighter. And uh, so let's have a look at that. So let's look at, as I just kind of get, get scroll here, get it positioned, 92-93. All right. Um, ask anyone who's been hit by big Jason Bowen, and they'll, and they'll tell you it's like running into a brick wall. 6'4", 225, he's not only one of the biggest players in the Western Hockey League, but he's also one of the most agile. He was the first round pick, 15th overall by the Philadelphia Flyers last summer. So there you go. He was voted the toughest with 64 votes. Of course, yeah, Jason Bowen, of course, he played, um, really had, got a lot of NHL time, but he played in the minors and of course ended up played over in the UK as well. Um, number two, uh, from Seattle with Brendan Witt, of course, who played at a lengthy NHL career. Uh, then number three was Kale Hulse. Uh, again, another NA, lengthy NHL career. I will say Kale Hulse, um, is, I, I guess, I don't know if this is, this can't, this gotta be the sec, his first year. Because, uh, I think in the second year, I, I believe he won it. Um, I'll have to find that out later. But, uh, yeah, he, um, Kale Hulse was, was vicious. Um, next would be Brent Duncan of Seattle. Again, another tough dude. Then Paxton Schulte. John Baduke, Dave Kamick, uh, Michael Sikora, uh, Jarrett Dooling, Brian McKay, Ryan Van Steenberg, Adam Deadmarsh, John Duvall, and Chris Murray all receiving one vote apiece. So yeah, Bowen, Witten, Hulse, and Duncan, and Schulte, and Baduke were kind of the, the, the big five um, that year. And uh, yeah, of course, uh, the folks listening, you guys uh, know those names for sure. Uh, let's, what else we got here? Um, Top rookie, Maxim Betts, Jason Weimer, Damon Lankow. Well, there you go. That's one thing. Um, top offensive player, Valerie Bury. Yeah, this one. Um, sorry, folks, I'm, I'm being slow here. But um, unfortunately, the Victoria paper this time, um, whoever scanned this, was it was uh, clean your glass because it's fuzzy as shit, so it's a little tough to read, but... I want to thank Jay again for sending those over to me and finding those. That's tremendous. Um, like I always say, I really enjoy doing um, um, doing those type, just reading the polls and seeing the old names and that type of thing. And especially in the early to mid nineties, that was sort of the wheelhouse. I mean, attended a lot of Western Hockey League games at that time. Of course, in the Western Division with Seattle and Spokane, we only saw those guys once a year, so we never really saw Hulse and Witt and those guys. Um, you know, definitely more of the Eastern flavor and. Uh, um, I have those as well. So as the as the weeks and months roll on here, um, I will share those with you. Uh, okay. Yes, that Dave Brown article that I was talking about. Um, I will let me grab that, click it up here. So this is um, the poster was Knockbauer forty two of Fried Chicken was his username, and uh, yeah. This was posted when September eighteenth, two thousand and four. Dave Brown overrated? Question mark. Um, 
so I will, I'll read you what he wrote here. And then, uh, like I said, I'll let, I'll let you guys uh, chew on that for a while, but all right. Everyone knows here that I consider what I'm, I'm considered one of the most Homer, Homeristic posters on the site regarding the flyers. So this might be a shocking revelation, but I have to ask the proverbial question is Dave Brown overrated after watching every single one of Brownie's fights for about the 500th time, something it's something that's funny because everybody calls everybody a Karen. There was a female named Karen that was on the site back in the day. Um, well, yeah. Something that Karen said in a post a few years back really caught my attention. Karen had mentioned that Brown always dropped the gloves first and, and had gotten early jumps on his opponents. I will go, fo- go further and say Brown's effectiveness was based solely on his quick, early, and cheap draws. In almost 90% of his fights, he had his gloves off and had thrown multiple punches before his opponent even knew they were fighting. Jesus, I can name almost every single one of his fights, but a few that really stick out. The Probert fight. While Brownie was in Edmonton, the only reason Brownie looked decent was because of the cheap, quick draw. Highly overrated fight, in my opinion. The only reason Brown was in the fight was because of the quick draw. The Craig Cox fight, in which Brown cut him bad. Once again, quick draw looked like he cut was caused by the first cheap punch. These are two glaring examples in the two of the fights which have made Brown's reputation. But I contend that hardly any of his opponents were ready to fight. He often walked into the first initial couple below devastating lefts and were done and off balance after that. Uh, it was it was such a head start for Brown that it was almost a joke. Now, Brown fought everyone and was ruthless. He was, in my opinion, the true essence of an enforcer. I agree. And maybe that quick draw was part of it, and I'm looking at it the wrong way. And there are no rules to fighting, etc. But this fact does diminish his Brown status, in my opinion. Let's also take a look at some of Brown's battles. Chris Nyland. Brownie gave it to him once, I believe, but Nyland more than held his own and won maybe two of their fights. Tim Hunter. Seemed like Hunter always neutralized Brown's left and always held him at bay. Jay Miller, I'd say that had, Jay Miller, I'd say had Brown's number. Even, if not even in their, if not, they were even in their series. Jim Kite. People talk about Brown's feud with Kite, but Kite was a middle of the road heavy and even destroyed Brown in one of their fights. Sure, Brown brutalized him in one of the worst beatings I've ever seen as he pounded him while he was on the ice. He dropped him another time, but it was a quick draw again. Gino Ojic, once again, their feud was relatively even in my opinion. Grimson was raw and young when Brownie broke his jaw. And let's not forget that Brownie's fighting skills dropped dramatically at the end of his career, and I'm talking like all of a sudden. I mean, in the matter of a season, in my opinion, he just lost it. And it wasn't, and it really, and he was still really wasn't all that old. I just remember watching Ray's right right and shaking my I just remember watching Ray's right and shaking my head or when Simon got him bad twice in the one game he got the quick draw on an unsuspecting McSorley when McSorley was a rookie for Pittsburgh and then Marty edged him in LA he did handle Domi and McKenzie albeit Brown was in his prime and they were both young besides breaking Baumgartner's orbital bone what are the fights that define Brown's career Brownie made his reputation beating up on the Brian Kern and Jim Kites of the world. Hey, I love Brownie and is ruthless and he is the epitome of an enforcer, but his all-time status should not be as high in my unbiased opinion. This is off the top of my head. I know I forgot a bunch, so some insight would be appreciated. Yeah, so there you go. Um, and then, like he, this guy said, he was a major Brown fan and everything else. Um, of course, the thread goes on and on, and a lot of people are disagreeing with him. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, like I said, um, Jay, Jay had sent this to me and I just, uh, it, it was, uh, one, it was kind of cool to see the old, uh, 
um, uh, fried chicken uh, in in the form back in the old days uh, to see that on the screen again. Um, so I just wanted to share that post with you guys. It was neither here nor there, but um, you know, for the Brown fans out there, um, I know the other day in, in the question and answer um, uh, episode that I did, uh, somebody had asked me what my top five was, and uh, I had Dave Brown um, number three. So uh, after actually reading that post, I'll have to because um, I mean I've seen all the fights he's talking about, and I've seen all of Brown's fights, you know. Um, but it, it's interesting when you go back and. Like I said, it's not something that I dwell like, you know, I, oh, I play my Dave Brown DVD once a month, you know, like, you know, I see Brown fights here and there, but, um, I think a player DVD where you can watch it in chronological order and you can kind of see the progression. Um, I'd like to sit down and do that again with Dave Brown, um, and kind of revisit that because that's interesting, but he definitely was mean without a doubt. And, um, I've always said, and it's interesting to do the top fives and the best fighters and all that. Well, there's a difference between a great fighter and a great enforcer. Like, to me, Dave Semenko was a great enforcer. Semenko wasn't that great. Of a, he was an okay fighter, but overhyped a lot, in my opinion, but uh, but a tremendous enforcer. Dave Brown was a tremendous enforcer. Um, and, well, and he was a great fighter. Um, and he was just mean as shit. And, uh, yeah. And in my opinion, that's what you had to do. To be a, that's what you have to do to be an effective enforcer. And, uh, and he certainly was that. So, um, yeah, it's something to definitely think about and go back and, uh, and, and check out those fights and revisit the, the Dave Brown catalog, if you will. But, um, wow, look at that. I was going to say we're at about the 40 minute mark and I'm, I'm sort of looking over at my list. And I guess the only thing I have left to write to, to talk about is the, uh, is the myth versus reality portion. I guess the Dave Brown one kind of was, um, but, I wanted to talk about the the Scott Parker Steve McLaren fight um, in in uh, in Philly. Um, one of the most, as I as I was saying at the top of the show, one of the most talked about fights in fight form history. Sorry about that. Phone was ringing. Uh, October twenty third, nineteen ninety eight. One of the most talked about fights: Steve McLaren and Scott Parker um, in Philly. And this is uh, when Parker was just coming up. Um, and a lot of hype surrounding him on the message boards. Um, as Joe and I br- br- talked about him being in the Tough Guy magazines. <clears throat> and Parker got a lot of heat back then on the message board. I don't know why. Well, I guess certain posters, um, vocal posters on the site, really pumped Parker's tires out. And I guess that bugged a lot of people. And they were just, you know, even to, even now, people just love the I told you so. Um you know, even now, if you mention Scott Parker on, on a Facebook post or a Twitter post, oh, Probert knocked him out. You know, they, that's inevitably some idiot will post that, like, lose, like I always said, like, losing the Probert's like a bad thing. Or, you know, like, that was so rare that he lost the Probert. Like, okay. You know, he, you know, he had, he had like a hundred and almost 200 fights after that, too, and did pretty good in a lot of them. Um, you know, so, and it's like he never matched the hype. Well, I don't, what hype is that? Like, what, he had a great career, um, fight, and then you go look at fight-wise, I mean, okay, yeah, Probert, but other than that, like, I don't know, he dropped Grimson, dropped Flynn, Brown, like, Oliwa, he had some major wins against big heavyweights, like, I don't, what more, fuck, what more do you want from the guy, right? Um, but yeah, but I've always said with Scott Parker, uh, in terms of, you know, being a regular Western Hockey League watcher at that time, 
I never saw anybody do what he did in the Western Hockey League. Like, he went through it like butter. Looked like a man amongst men, and he destroyed... A man amongst men? A man amongst boys. Uh, and he destroyed people. Um, yeah, he was unbelievable. And a lot of those fights are on my YouTube channel if you want to go check it out. Um, yeah, Reign of Terror in Kelowna for sure. Um, and they, same with Steve McLaren. Again, McLaren was out in the OHL, so I didn't see a lot of him in the Ontario League. Although... Uh, he has one of the great, again, hey, go back to memorable fights. One of the best fights in Memorial, well, it is the best fight in Memorial Cup history, but also one of the best junior fights. Uh, McLaren and Steve Murray just beat the tar out of each other in the Memorial Cup. Um, outside of that, I think I, I have a fight with him and Karen's. Yeah, there just isn't a lot of McLaren footage out there in junior, but of course I got to w- watch him more through the IHL, and then he really came into his own in Philly and the Phantoms, and Philadelphia, and of course, he played for Springfield and such. But uh, yeah, and I mean, you talk. I've had guys on my on my show that have talked about McLaren, like Steve Parsons was just. I mean, he got. I think I believe he got buckled by McLaren. Said so that's just like the hardest he's ever been hit. Um, yeah, I mean, what more is there to say about Stone Cold Steve McLaren? I mean, he was in the NHL for a little bit, um, but yeah, bad dude. I'd uh, yeah. So when him and Parker met, this is definitely a a clash and. Um, and like I said, and especially being in, with McLaren being a Philly, because he had a lot of Philly homers on there with the Phantoms and stuff. So um, it's really a, a, you know, again, it's much like the Clark McSorley fight. And I, and, I, and I mentioned the McLaren, this fight as well. But I guess it's uh, when it comes to, and again, like I've always said, I, we're, just, we're just fight fans talking here. I, I know all the things in the world that are going on. This is so... This is so insignificant, whatever. But hey, we're just fight fans talking about fights. This is what we like to do. We're going to break down it in the hobby here. I Believe me, I realize there are greater things going on in the world than who won the McLaren-Parker fight. But hey, this show you tuned into to escape all that and talk about the hobby and talk about fighting and enforcement. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to t- talk like fight hockey nerds talk, right? So... Um, yeah, in terms of the McLaren thing and Parker, yeah, I mean, when they squared off, it, um, like I said, I've seen the fight a million times. Like I said, we've debated this fight a million times. And um, going back and watching it today again, um, it's been a while since I've actually seen it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, again, it goes back to how you, how do you, how do you judge a fight? Uh, most punches landed, uh, dominate, you know, whatever. Uh, if you just dominate a guy or, uh, damage or, or what have you, or it's some who lands on top, you know, or, you know, so, I mean, there's always, everyone looks at things different. Now with, the, with fights like this, um, like I said, I'm a big fan of both these guys. Um, I, I'd like to think I'm as impartial as it gets. I, you know, it doesn't matter to me who wins these fights. Like, you know, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not some massive homer that, my guy needs to win or something. Like, no, I don't care about that. So, like I've always said on this show, um, I'll be as impartial as you could possibly get. Um, you know, uh, so again, like I like I said with the with the Clark McSorley. Um, now see now see again though. I could be almost somewhat hypocritical here and kind of to go back of what I said last week. Um, when I said about damage, because I always, I guess the way I kind of looked at it is at the end of the fight, who would you rather be? 
But in saying that, of course, you had the Clark McSorley fight with Marty bleeding all over. Well, it was some stitches under his eye and a black eye. He didn't miss any time, and you know he just you know had to wear some shades for a few days. But he didn't miss any he didn't miss any playing time or what have you. Um, so it was superficial damage. It's blood, but you know whatever that happens. Um, when I talk about damage, I'm talking about breaking bones and missing time. Um, which happened in this fight. Uh, Parker landed a bomb on McLaren's nose that he had to get fixed, and he was he, McLaren missed weeks of the season because of that punch. Um, so that's the damage that I'm referring to. Um, to McLaren's credit, much like much like McSorley with the Clark fight, uh, but more so because, of course, this like I said, this broke da- this caused damage and broke his nose, and I like crushed his nasal cavity and shit. Like it was brutal. Um, motherfuckers, Robocop, man, Terminator, he just kept coming and, um, really, really mounts the offense on Parker and, and kind of, uh, takes it to him. Now, again, the, he kind of, he gets Parker, they're kind of flailing, like Parker, bam, that's the first one. And McLaren, of course, whatever, but keeps coming. And, uh, Parker himself was just like, he couldn't believe McLaren was still coming. He's like, really? And, uh, but McLaren gets his, uh, his, his Parker's jersey up. And they, they kind of uh, go along the boards. And McLaren's like just throwing windmill right hands. And he's got Parker bent over with the jersey. And Parker's head stuck in his jersey. And and McLaren's landing like these kind of these forearm clubbing shots the back of Parker's head. And then it's broken up. Um, you know, he landed about four or five of those. Um, again, so visually, yeah, he's sort of always oh, dominating him. Well, yeah, he is. But, I mean, he's not really, there's nothing, I mean, he's, landing on the back of Parker's head and neck and shoulders with clubbing forearms. But, I mean, he's not landing anything of damage to Parker's face. And, like, Parker in the penalty box doesn't have a mark on him. Now, of course, the announcers, Gene Hart and them, the homer that he is, oh, look, he's suntanned. He's got a lot of red on his face. Well, he doesn't, but okay, Gene. But, um, which I think it's funny as it debates over the years, People would refer to that. You can see how the announce. That's another thing of how announcers can definitely shape people's ideas of how a fight went. Because um, you could just tell. Because these guys would start reciting back what the announcers were saying, and uh, you know they're viewing it in real time, right at the time. So it's like, no, Parker didn't have a mark on him, and McLaren's in the locker room and on the way to the hospital. So it's like, who would you rather be in that fight? And I remember asking people in that, like, throughout all this debate and you know, threads that go on forever and back and forth. I just, who would you rather be at the end of that fight? Walt Parker, obviously. Well, then didn't he win? You know, like, eh, you know, so, or the, I guess you could say McLaren won the battle, but Parker won the war. Um, they actually had a rematch uh, later in that year that I, I don't, I had never, I don't, I had never seen until I got, somebody sent me a Phantoms untelevised fight DVD or something. And uh, that was on there. And I'd, I don't think I'd ever seen that fight before. Um, and it's pretty good, too. It's on my YouTube channel, The Rematch. Um, but, yeah, uh, just ty- type in McLaren and Parker and, fi- and see for yourself. And uh, get back. You tell me what you think. Um, like I said, if somebody wanted to say, I think McLaren won, that's fine. Many people do. Now, if other people say Parker won, people do. So, um, including myself. Um, so, you know. Again, grand scheme doesn't matter. No, we're just talking. We're just talking amongst fight fans. And uh, the the article of most memorable fights, um, that sort of... I wanted to sort of tie it all into this. Um, 
because in terms of the on the in fight geekdom, fight nerdum, um, that was one of the most, if not the most talked about fight that I can remember, at least in modern at that in that time period. Because um, like I said, ninety eight, you know, it was right in the infamous infamacy of fried of message boards, um, or at least my um, partaking in them, and. Uh, yeah, that that was my mo. That was the most uh, see because I, at that time, like like I said, Clark and McSorley ninety three. You know, the internet wasn't around yet, so that fight obviously got brought up and debated. But the McLaren Parker fight happened right when the message boards were were growing and people were coming into them and and, and all that. So there was a lot more uh, traffic and eyes on that fight um, for it being in the moment. And so that that fight, uh, yeah, like I said, really. Uh, really got the old fight community up in arms, that one. And uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about that today. So there you go. That was my uh, myth versus reality, but more just uh, I wanted to tie it in with the with the famous fights. So, um, yeah, there you have it. Maybe not the most dramatic myth versus reality, but those are hard, guys. Like I said, I asked a bunch of people for ideas, and I got some, but uh, it's it's a hard topic to talk. It, it's hard because... Uh, because I'm, I'm trying to keep them like a, a five or a ten minute deal. Um, but really, you could do a whole... Because you talk to some, it's like, oh, we're minor... NHL guys are tougher than minor league guys. Myth versus... Like, that's a whole... That's a very good one. But like... And Jave and I brought it up. Um, but like, as he and I said, how do you... It's, that's tough to cover in, in five or ten minutes. Plus to make... I guess to make the... Uh, uh, like... I guess it's also speculation, so it's, uh, but it's an interesting topic to talk about, something like that, or um, or the code, myth versus reality, the code, but I mean, I want to, I'm basically, I'm like, I, I've said it a bunch of times on here, but I really want to, uh, when I have time to do so, I, I really, I, I really want to do a whole episode and just call it the code, and, and just do like a whole hour show on it, and I'd like to get some players' opinions on it, I've talked to uh, Segroy and Mayotte and a couple guys about the uh, about the idea of it and uh, and so I, I, I want to do a whole episode on that not just a little five minute little blurb so um, but anyway uh, that'll be kind of the it for my talking points today guys um, like I said I hope everybody goes back on Wednesday I had uh, I should have I guess I should have led with this um, I had Mike Perpeck on the show and uh he was a lot of fun to talk to, played in uh, the BCHL and then four years in North Dakota with some tremendous, um, you know, teammates, Taze and Oshi and those guys, and uh, then a year in New Mexico and then over to the UK for a few years. And uh, it was fun to talk to Mike, and uh, he's a great guest, and I hope I encourage you to go back and check it out. Um, yeah, as well as, you know, like my, my back catalog, Morasti, McIntyre, Tedarenko, on and on. Um, Definitely, I, I highly encourage you to check those out. Um, also, if you're on, if you happen to be on social media, check out my YouTube, uh, well, Twitter and Facebook, Fourth Line Voice, and uh, as well as my YouTube channel. I have over 2,500 fights. Just added a couple here the last couple days. Um, uh, yeah, definitely check it out and uh, subscribe. And uh, and guys, if you're listening, whatever platform you're listening to this on, could you rate and review this episode or this show? Um, it helps me out in the searches. Um, it would be greatly appreciated. And it would be greatly appreciated if you could download the episode. And that's not just myself, but Joe or Alec or whatever pod. 
Actually, at this point, whatever podcast you're listening to, if you could uh, download it instead of streaming it, um, one, it's, it helps with the analytics and it helps, um, it, it helps us as, uh, as podcasters. Um, you know, what platform you're listening to it on, um, you know, time of day, that type of thing. Um, it's just little analytic things that, that are interesting to look at and they help, help out when to post things and that type of thing. Plus in my case, I'm not going to lie, I get paid by the download. So, uh, yeah, if you're streaming it, Darren ain't making any money and I need to make some monies. So I would greatly appreciate it if you could download it, um, in all seriousness. But, uh, other than that, guys, um, the only other little bit of news that I will share with you before I go, it was, uh, last couple days around here have been very, um, happy ones. Um, as anybody who's listened here in the last four or five months knows that we've been trying to sell our condo. Well, we got a, the other day we got a formal offer for our asking price. Um, and, uh, the, other than that, they just have to, they're going to get inspected here next week, which it'll be fine. And I already know they have financing through the bank, so that's good to go. So outside of something crazy happening, I know maybe I, I should maybe temper expectations a little and maybe med, maybe I'm hopefully knock on wood. I'm not jinxing it, but, uh, I don't believe in that shit, but, uh, um, until you check in hand, maybe not mention it, but it was, uh, after this journey, it's been, um, it's been tough and, uh, um, you know, pretty stressful and you start to wonder and, uh, you know, especially when you have the house like sitting there waiting, um, for you, for us, it was just a condition of the sale of this. So, um, yes. So we're very, my wife and I are very happy. And, uh, like I said, just gotta get through the inspection next week. And, uh, I know the people whose house we're buying, they're very excited about it. Of course, now they're like, oh shit. Now we got, I guess we got to start packing. It's like, well, I've been trying to tell you that you should be doing that for a while now. But, um, you know, hopefully we can keep, hopefully the snow stays away for a little while. Cause of course, possession dates December 1st. So, um, hopefully we're not tracking snow in, but if you have to, you have to, right. Um, just be happy it's sold. So uh, I wanted to share that bit of information. It was an up and down ride for sure. A um, lot of not stress. A lot of um, yeah. It was it just really a lot of frustration because um, you you just you, we looked at our place. It's updated. It's clean. It's all put together. You know, and you're like, how can we not sell this? And I mean, you have all these people like, oh, we're looking at your listing, and how how is it not gone yet? And you're just like, I don't know. You have all these people come through for showings and they all say the same thing. Oh, I really like it and whatever, but no offer, no offer, no offer. And the funny thing was, is the day, um, the walkthrough was scheduled at like five o'clock. Um, that, and, but we, the two days before that, we had relisted it. Um, we had lowered our price. Once again, it was the third time we had lowered it. No, we weren't going any lower. We're like, okay, this is, this is our, this is it. After this, we're just going to take it off the market for the winter and try again in the spring, maybe with a different realtor, what have you. So it was a last-ditch effort, Hail Mary pass, and um, we put it on there. And, of course, my wife shared it on the marketplace, on Facebook and all that. Um, well, the next morning, we get up, and uh, there was an offer from a lady that lives in the community here. She said she was renting, and she's looking to buy. And uh, I put it on Twitter. But she offered us $50,000 below our asking price. Which, um, well, because Lisa woke up and like, oh, look, we got an offer. Oh, here we go. So she, and she told me, well, if you have an offer, uh, here's our realtor. Get a hold of him and put it in formally, blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay. So a couple hours later, she puts it into our realtor and he sends us the messages and 
Yeah, when I saw her message that it was and it was fifty thousand below asking, um, I was pulled. I was working, of course. And I was in the truck and I pulled over and I was reading it. And at that point, I was just so I I could have thrown my phone into traffic. It was just like so frustrating, and it was just uh, like what what do we have to do? Like I'm like I I was just like we're never going to sell this place because like none of the offers have been like the offer wasn't even close. There was no way we were going to go that low because again we had already dropped at twenty five grand from where we started. So at this point, it would have been basically it was seventy five thousand lower than what we had initially offered. And it was like, no, we're not giving this place away. And like, I guess we're just going to stay here forever. And again, like I said, don't, you know, don't weep for me. It's not like we're in the hood and sleeping under a bridge or something. I mean, but you know, we want to just, it was just getting frustrating. And at that point, I'm just like, wow, we're not selling this place. Like, this is tough. And then eight out, but we have the walkthrough today at five, hopefully. And it turned out it had been a lady that had been here before and she really brought her daughters with her and they all really liked it and they put in an offer. And it was what we were asking. So, there you go. $50,000 fucking difference in eight hours. So, it was, uh, it's just amazing how it went. And, uh, what a, what a day. And from the lowest to the highest. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, again, maybe I'm counting my chickens before they're hatched. And I gotta keep doing that even though I don't believe in it. Um, like I said, barring anything stupid, it's, it's, it, it's sold. So, um, you know, so over here, I can tell you, I got, we're cracks of beers and, uh, uh, we're going to enjoy tonight. Got a bottle of wine for my wife and, uh, we're, we're just really happy about it. And, uh, you know, guys, I'm really, and like I said, we, we know the house, we know what, you know, so it's not like, oh, we're going to go shop now. We know the house. We, we've, in our mind, we've already put our stuff in that house a million times and there's a bedroom in the basement in the back, down the back hall that I've, I've already claimed as the fourth line voice office. I've already, uh, no girls allowed. I already told my wife, I don't give a shit what you do. You have the entire rest of the house, but I want this one room and, uh, I'm going to get all my stuff out. And, uh, when we moved from the apartment into this condo 14 years ago, there is stuff underneath my parents and underneath the stairs of my parents' house that I, that I haven't looked at for 15 years. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting all those boxes out, uh, unpacking stuff. Cause there's going to be in there shit that I totally forgot I had and, uh, display it and, uh, and share it with you guys on, on social media. And, uh, and like I said, and just to have, cause like I said, everything's packed away here cause everything has to be ready to get shown. So, um, it'll be nice to finally get all our stuff back and under the roof and, uh, you don't have to worry about people, strangers walking through your house and, um, and like I said, I have a lot of, um, there's some, there's some things I want to do on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Um, I want, there's some hockey card stuff. I want like tough goon cards or something or fighting Friday and do those videos and kind of just talk about my enforcer cards that I collect or, um, I, I want to do some YouTube documentaries on guys. Um, yeah, I want to really, I, I, I think once everything's settled and normal again, I, I really want to up my YouTube game a little bit, get that channel kind of kind of going. Um, again, I could I could focus more on the on the podcasting and on the YouTube and and, and that type of thing and 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 have the the sale behind me and life get back to normal a little bit. So um, yeah, so I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, I know most people are like I don't give a shit, but. Uh, it was just something that, that I, that I'm really, that, you know, we're really happy about. And, uh, yeah, so coming to Martinsville, yeah, it'll be, that'll be kind of crazy, but, uh, 
it's just a suburb of Saskatoon, but, uh, it's, um, it's a lot of fun and it's a new, and it's a new adventure for us. We've never been homeowners. I mean, we've been condo owners, but never a house. I mean, shit, I'm going to have to actually buy a lawnmower now. That's kind of crazy. Um, so, uh, like I said, I don't think I've mowed a lawn in 20 years. Nah, it's just not true. I mowed my parents when they were out of town, but, um, not very often. It's been at least a decade, so that'll be a little different, but, um, I'm really looking forward to all that. And, uh, and, um, and, and to the guys, uh, Alec, Jay, uh, Chris, um, Joe, uh, those guys, I, I really want to, you know, their, their encouragement and, you know, they'd always ask how the sales going and that type of thing. And, and I, and I really appreciate that and a lot. And I'm a lot of guys did and, and thank you. And, uh, like I said, we're, we're really excited about it. So, uh, yeah, that was my little bit of news I wanted to share with you at the end here. Um, I think we'll be moving. And well, and saying that, I, I'm not sure how it's all going to go, but I think uh, uh, bear with me for the for the regular listeners. I'm probably going to miss a couple episodes because I'll be busy moving stuff. Um, but uh, I hope you don't hold that against me. I've done pretty good for two years here, bringing you content twice a week. So uh, don't hold it against me if I miss miss one or two. But uh, yeah, that's that's what's going on here. But uh, so good time, happy times. So. Uh, Anyway, guys, uh, that's it. Another another Sunday episode. Um, I'll be back to, with you on Wednesday. And again, I won't lie. I have I have not recorded with anyone, so I, I'm not sure who will be here on Wednesday. Hopefully, somebody. I will be for sure, uh, and hopefully, I have someone with me. But uh, until then, uh, I hope everybody has a has a fantastic Sunday when you're listening to this, or uh, or Monday, Tuesday, whenever you happen to be listening. Um, let have a good day and. Uh, I'll talk to you guys Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 